something and they're like just waiting to come through. And they're like, I, they talk to you every time. Maybe you guys know somebody. They just can't. Okay. How many of you guys are army monsters? <laughs> I don't want you to reveal that here. Um, monsters can be very frustrating. Me monsters can be. Um, you're trying to share something. You're trying to get your point across. It's a valid story for you, um, but me monsters have this uh, ability to just come in and cut you down. It's so true. I love the portrait that he paints. And, and I love what he said. What is up with the human condition that we want to do that to each other? That is so true. It's a human condition. We want to basically screw up life for others so that we look better in a way. It's like you got this situation where you're telling a valid story. And how many of you guys have ever thought, you never said you went, that's kind of a dumb story. How many of you guys have ever thought that? Now, you didn't say anything, but you just went, that's stupid. Now, how many of you guys have ever thought, i got a better story? Okay. How many of you guys have actually said it? Okay. Here's the issue. Here's the, here's the picture I want to paint for you, okay? Um, I want to look at how culture celebrates me. It's all about us, me, you, I. It's, that's what it's about. Everything you hear in the media, everything that you hear on the radio, on TV, on the news, it's all about me. And they've created Facebook for us to get on and be even more about me. It's me book, basically. Um, if you think about it, it's let me tell people vaguely who I am and let me lie about a whole bunch of things. Um, so it makes my life look a whole lot more interesting than it maybe it really is. Have you guys ever liked a band that you maybe only ever heard one song of and you thought it'd be cool if you liked that band? You didn't like the band because it was a good band. You just thought one song was pretty cool and you were like, hey, everybody's liking them, so I'm going to like them. Um, that's not actually true about you, but you think that it is. And so you're putting forth this appearance that, that that's what it is. So here's what I want, I, I want to talk through these real quick. LeBron. All right. LeBron. Um, all right. Here's, here's the issue. LeBron James takes his talents to Miami. Um if you remember that stupid video, everybody's like, oh, poor LeBron, he's innocent in the whole situation. He was sitting in the seat. He was there with the interviewer. That was part of his idea. Like, he thought so much of himself that the world would want to know where he was going to go play basketball and take his talents somewhere. And he got ripped apart for it. And everybody was like, oh, poor LeBron, that guy asked the dumbest questions. It was LeBron's idea. Me. Me. Let me tell you about me. And, and they knew everybody was going to watch. And it was like incredibly, I mean, like 9 to 10,000 or a million people watched this thing. LeBron James, because he wants to go from Cleveland to Miami. Big deal. But it celebrated me. Man, you deserve that. You, you couldn't win a championship in Cleveland, but you could win a championship in Miami. Um, finally, it worked out. Uh, but LeBron wasn't out there by himself. There was other guys with him. LeBron James can't win a championship by himself. But yet we almost act like he can. Oh, it's all LeBron James. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan could not win all those championships by himself. Everybody kind of forgets it was Michael Jordan and a bunch of scrubs until Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant, some of these other guys came along, and then they started to run and winning championships. Michael Jordan retires. Yeah, Scottie Pippen and all the scrubs again. And he couldn't win a thing. Michael Jordan comes back, and they go back to winning again as a team. As a team, but we celebrate the individual. Michael Jordan's the greatest player ever. Yeah, what about all the other players that helped him along? We celebrate me, I, you. Like, it's not a team thing. Baseball, let's skip to baseball quick. The game of baseball. I played that my whole life. A, a pitcher pitches a no-hitter, all right? A pitcher pitches a no-hitter. But the other people that were catching the ball 
and throwing the, the players out, they don't get recorded for it. It was this person. This person pitched a no-hitter. Me, I, you did it. You did it. And we celebrate that. But if they lose, they lose as a team. Does that make sense? Like, think about that for a second. All right, NFL rookies. Don't not any rookie, really. Listen to it when, you, when you're watching a sporting event. And, and college, even, too. The announcers love to just, like, say, these rookies are amazing. They have unlimited potential. Really? Unlimited. So that means if they practice enough, next year they're going to run 117 miles an hour. Think about that. Unlimited potential. The sky's the limit. There's no roof. Nothing can contain this guy. Really? Think about that. We love to celebrate individuals. We love to just talk them up and make them sound awesome. That's why in our culture, there's a lot of, you deserve this. You were wrong. You deserve this. You work better. You go. Um, It's all about you. Get what you can. Believe in yourself. You, you, you. We hear all these things about you. We're supposed to, like, we, get, we, we, we kind of take that in, right? Because accolades feel great, okay? You do something, it feels awesome for somebody to go along and go, hey, you were awesome at that. And you're like, oh, no. But we know on the inside we're going, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we want to act like we're not, but we are. I mean, a lot of times it feels good. It feels good, but you want to detract it. You want to like, no, that wasn't me, it wasn't me. But we like to think, me, me, me. And so that's what we're taught. We're actually taught that Twitter, Twitter is even, <laughs> Twitter's like Facebook on steroids. <laughs> like, think about that. Facebook, at least you keep up with your friends, you can post things, you can put pictures, you can, you can have like a little life on Facebook. Twitter, you can't. You're limited to what you can say. And in order to jump on Twitter, you have to really believe so much about yourself that people really, really, really want to follow what you have to say. Like, think about that. What I have to say is so important that the whole world wants to know about it. Or at least that's the way we think, and then you have like five people following. Um, but it's important for those five, right? I mean, like, think about that. We're creating this monster of me, me, me. I just have to put me out there. And we start getting creative. And not, then we go through our pictures. We get mad that somebody paid. Like, we, we're at an event. Maybe it's homecoming, or maybe it's prom, or maybe it's even like just a social event. Somebody posted a bunch of pictures, and we were acting stupid in half of them, half of them we weren't, and then they just paste all of them. They're all on Facebook. Like, don't you go through and get mad and go, hey, take that one off. Well, why? You're the one who posts for you, dummy. But yeah, but it doesn't, it's not a good representation of me. Me. But you're with everybody. But me. No, me. Like, we have this me complex. And, 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 it, and this being is, we are very in love with me. We're in love with me. And to a certain extent, there's nothing wrong with that. But to a certain extent, there's a lot wrong with that. And so, culture, that's why, that's why you see these self-help books. You see people, I watched a lady last night as I was actually studying for this lesson. She was annoying. This was probably done in like 1990. She's at like a late night infomercial. And she's, you know, basically got really a, a horribly lit stage. And it's really cheesy and it's like all pastel colors. And, um, she's wearing like this really funny looking 90s flowy thing that I can't even explain to you. And she's got a bunch of people they paid to be in the audience so she can tell them how they're supposed to live their lives and how they can be helped. And self-help, if you need to believe in yourself and you need to have power in yourself. and you need to, it's, it's all this you, 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 you. And we, we feed into that because it feels good to a certain extent. But I want to show you here just 
real quickly, and, um, I put this on here because I want you to show. I want to show you this Bible and God. Okay. Because we have this me complex, we get this idea when we read the Bible and we relate to God that He's all about me. Okay? God's for me. He's about me. He loves me. Me. God. Me. When I read the Bible, the Bible's written for me. Me. He had me in mind when he wrote the Bible. And so we open up the Bible for what? Us. We look at it and go, hey, what is the Bible going to tell me today? I have a problem. Here's, here's my problem. I'm going to look and see what it says about me. And so we open it up and that's what we're reading it for. We're not reading it about the character of God. Big difference. So let me show you real quickly about this. Psalms 23, the most, one of the most, like, if your parents have been in church pretty much since they were born through their whole lives, somebody has a coffee mug with this on it, okay? This is like one of those verses. Like, it's on t-shirts, it's on coffee mugs, it's on pens. Um, here's what it says. Now, I want to read it to you in the way that we read it, okay? And then it, there's one verse that's cut off, and I want to show you what this is truly about. This verse alone basically paints this picture of what God is doing. Alright? So, the, this part is how we read it. The part that's not on here is what really, truly is important. So here it goes. Here's how we read it. Psalms 21, 3. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. Now, I don't think anybody in here is a shepherd. Um, and we don't have too many of them in Alpharetta. Um, but a shepherd is somebody that leads the sheep. That protects the sheep, shows the sheep, feeds the sheep. Leads them into certain places. He's, he's, he's my shepherd. He leads me. He guides me. He moves me. He feeds me when I'm weak. He, he protects me. So he's my, he's my shepherd. And I shall not want. He'll meet our greatest needs. Any need that I have, anything I ask for, he'll meet that need. Because I shall not want. Because he's my shepherd. Okay? I want you to hear that. Next part. He makes me come <laughs> He makes me lie down in green pastures. Alright? Check this. You can lie down, or I'm going to make you lie down. Um, so basically, you can bow, or respectfully, or pretty much, and you're down. Um, <laughs> like, think about that. He makes me lie down. Like, have you ever been made to sit down? He's not punching you, but yeah. I mean, it's just like this, like, you, it's, we don't, we don't want to do it. But he makes me, me lie down in green pastures. He leads. Basically, it's saying peaceful places. Even though he may lie down, I don't know how peaceful that is. Um, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, which basically means that um, he's, he's, he's leading us to a place for us to get nourishment. He he brings us along the water so we can actually be filled up because he is, you know, the living water itself. So he restores my soul, my soul. He restores me when I'm weak and broken. He restores me, my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He leads me along the right way. So, looking at this verse, man, he's, he's all about me, right? I mean, it's all me, my Lord, my, I, me, me, my, me. I mean, we see that and go, yeah, he's all about me. Jesus loves me some me, right? And we get confused. Show the next verse. For his name's sake. His name's sake. I want you to catch that. Go back one. He does all this. He is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Not mine. I want you to see that clearly. Not me. Him. That switches it. 
That flips it. That's the Brian Regan thing. Got me! Got me! You see it? But instead, we're like, got me! God me, we're equal in this. We're even in this. And a lot of times we go, me God! It's God me. God me. But we miss that part. I miss that part. I totally blow it alone. From, for His name's sake, He does all those things for us. His name's sake. So you don't believe me on that. Alright, let's move on for a second. Because I'm going to show you how this all goes together. 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath. Famous passage. Famous passage. Traditional view of that is, and let me paint the story for you real quick. Uh, David's a sheep herder. Um, he's at home. The Philistine, Goliath, shows up and says, I'm going to kill anybody you put in front of me. And if I kill you, then you'll be our servants. And if you kill me, <laughs> then you can be our servants. No way. Ain't nobody going to kill him. It even says that Israel was struck with fear. Scared to death. Because this guy was like huge. He knows that nobody's been able to defeat him. And he's putting himself in front of Israel and saying, what can you do to me? So David's back home, little shepherd boy. And his dad says, hey, why don't you take your, your uh, brothers some cheese. And some food and some bread. Like, he's the cheese boy. He's not a warrior. He's the kid back home, pet sheep. Making sure they're okay. He shows up on the scene. Hey, I got everybody's goodies. Right? <laughs> He's got all the snacks. And the warriors are like, oh, sweet, let's get rid of the Philistine. Yeah, let's go. Hey, Philistine, we'll be back. Let's eat. And so David's over there, and he sees this guy, and he's like, who are you? And, like, they're all eating. They turn around, and they see David standing in front of this guy, and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> David, David, get back here. And David's like, who are you that's going to call out the living God? Like, nobody else was willing to say anything. And David, the little, little shepherd boy, is like, who are you? Well, I'm going like this. Who are you to call out? Right? And they're all like, oh my gosh, David, he's going to get killed. Let's pull him in, let's pull him in, let's pull him in. Even his brothers were like, what are you doing? Did you come just to watch the fight? Now you're causing trouble. Even the king saw. Now, to be able to like be in front of the king is probably like a big thing because kings aren't always accessible. And it was pretty accessible that, that Saul walked up to David and went, you're a moron. What are you doing? And David's like, I can take this dude out. What are you afraid of? And they're like, all right, um. Blood on your own hand, kind of like, go ahead, little shepherd boy, see what you can do. So they fit him with all this armor, right? It says they put a sword in his hand, put all this armor on him. And it says he tries to move, but he can't. <laughs> like, he tried to move, he's like, I can't move. So he's taking everything off, and he's like, I got this. Pulls out like a slingshot, and they're like, oh my God. <laughs> the kid's got a slingshot. He's toast. So David basically says, guys, I got this. And he confronts Goliath again, runs up to Goliath, runs up to him, and Goliath, by this time, obviously, he shed all of his stuff. He's like, what's this little kid going to do to me? Didn't think that uh, David had a slingshot with him, uh, but what he did know is he had the power of God behind him. David understood his position, that it was God, him. And he knew that, and everybody, well, everybody saw that that day, because he took out Goliath, shot him right in the head, and said the thing sunk in his head, and he fell over. And pretty much everybody was like, uh, wow. You see what just happened. So here's the issue. David understood his positioning. And here's what I want you to see. Because we read this passage wrong. Okay? Traditional view is this. David is me. Me, I'm David. And all my problems are Goliath. Okay? 
Goliath is my problem. When I have a struggle, that's my Goliath. And I just need to shoot it with a slingshot and kill it dead. And then I can just go forward. So I'm David, problems Goliath. Um, there's a problem with that. Because uh, you're missing Israel in there. There was Israel, and then there was David and Goliath. And I'm about to show you something that you're not going to believe, and you're going to have to see this when we turn to the book of Hebrews. Here's the real view of this. Realistic view is David is Jesus. Goliath is sin and death. And the scared Israelites are lost. We were the, we're the ones going, oh, that's going to kill us. We're not David, y'all. We're not that capable. I, well, I hope you see that. I need the courage of David. I need to stand up against my struggles. What you're standing up against is sin and death. You can't handle that. You can't. You're going to basically create a burden that you can't carry. It's impossible for you to carry that. We must understand our position in this story. Go to the next clip because it's about Hebrews. So here's how this all ties together. This is why we talk to you about, please read your Bibles. Because if you read your Bibles with intent and look for it from the context of it, not just flip through it and say, hey, that's pretty cool. Here's how it all ties together. Okay? Here's how it all ties together. Hebrews 11 and 12 says this. And well, it's basically the whole book of Hebrews is basically written in this format of explaining how Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that happened in the Old Testament. And everybody who was a hearer would understand this. So he starts all the way back from like Abraham. Actually starts with like Adam and Eve. And he starts with Cain and Abel. And he's saying, hey, by faith Abel does this. By faith Abraham did this. By faith Moses did this. By faith on and on and on and on and on. I can paint this picture and everybody's going, yeah, they, they, they live by faith. And basically he says this. And I want, this is so, I've never caught this. And when I was researching this, I went, Wow. This absolutely shows us where we're at, where they're at. I want you to hear this. At the very end of chapter 11, it says this. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Every single individual that had faith in the Old Testament did not receive what was promised. Because of this. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart they should not be made perfect. Christ makes it perfect. I want you to hear that. You can't be David. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater Abraham. Jesus is the greater Moses. All those faithful men were only so faithful, they were limited in their faith. They couldn't get everything. They couldn't get it. And so God held some things from them. Because there's a bigger picture and it's Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all those things. So when we halfway live this life of Christ, we're messing with history because, check this, this is a very famous verse that follows this, and I didn't catch this. I have quoted this verse thousands of times, and I never knew it followed this. And it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Guys, we have this massive cloud of witnesses around us. All the way back to Abraham, all the way back to Noah, all the way back to Eve. We're part of this picture. We're part of this. But where we've lost it is me, God, and not God, me. We've become so selfish in so many ways of looking at things that it's all about me. That God does these things for His name's sake, His and His alone. It's all about Him. Yes, He loves us. Yes, He's forgiving. Yes, He's graceful. And because of those things, it doesn't leave us to go back to doing those dumb things again. 
it moves us on into what an honor it is to be a part of this cloud of witnesses. I get to be a part of this? Like, I want you to think about this. Me? How different is that than going, me, me, it's about me. Now we look at it and go, me? Really, me? I get to be a part of that? No way. That is where we all need to get. It's bringing honor and glory to the Lord. And we have totally missed what honor really means in our, in our generation and culture. So what we're going to do in just a second, we're going to dismiss. 1 Corinthians 10.31, put that verse up, is such a beautiful verse. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. All. Like we talked about this a couple weeks ago. All. 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 Everything. All. There, there, there's not like a limit on that. <laughs> Like, I've been looking for this. I went back and read before and after, and I was waiting for this to be a suggestion. I was waiting for him to be like, well, you know, if you want to, if you have the time, can you fit it in to glorify the Lord, you know, just a little bit, you know, during the day in between Facebook and homework, glorify me in some way a little bit. You know, when you're out on the practice field, you know, after practice, go home and read the Bible then. You know, forget about it when you're on the field, but, but, but when you're at home. You know, forget about it when you're at work. Okay, don't glorify me there. You know, suggestion. Glorify me when you get the opportunity. No. That's not a suggestion. That is in all things. Everything we do. And if we could start actively living that way. And so here's the challenge I'm going to give you. When you get to your group, you're going to take five minutes. Just five minutes. And you're going to fill out the front of this sheet. Okay? This sheet is all about you. You get the opportunity to basically write about you. This is what I do. These are my hobbies. These are the things I do after school. These are the things I do at school. These are the clubs I'm involved in. These are the bands I like. These are the things that I love doing. It's all about you. Take five minutes to do it. It's not, there's not a lot of rocket science to this. And what we're going to do is we're going to open up group discussion. And we're basically going to put 1031 to the test. 1 Corinthians 1031 to the test. So how do you glorify the Lord in those things? How do you do it at school? How do you do it at home? When you're out cutting the grass for your neighbor, how do you glorify the Lord? When you're tying your shoes, can you? Really? I mean, it says everything. Can, can you? I want you to be thinking about those things. So on the back, you're going to have the opportunity to answer. When you guys are just sitting in your group talking, and you guys think, that's how I can do it. Flip it over, the correlating thing, and write it down. That's how I can glorify the Lord. Now, down here at the very bottom, here's, here's what I want you to do. and you're going to, They're going to explain this to you real quick. You get a chance to sign it, name, and your email address. This is what Turner talked about last week a little bit. Up here, the next little line above it, it says, I accept the challenge to actively glorify God for blank days. I want you to fill in what you think you're comfortable with doing. Two days? You think you can do it for two days? Ten days? Thirty days? Don't be smart enough to put 300 some days because I'm going to hold you to it. Like, this is for you to begin to learn how to step forward and actively glorify the Lord in all you do. And I'm going to put this back in Facebook right here. One of the things, and I told my Sunday school class this this morning, one of the ways that I didn't even know that glorifying the Lord is about updating your posts and putting things that are thought-provoking and biblical. I had a girl, a former student of mine, or a former student of mine, a friend of mine, when I was in eighth grade, there was a girl in the apartment complex next to me, and I have to admit, she was hot, that's why I like, wanted to talk to her. Um, she was. I was just like, hey, that girl, and she's talking to me, really? And... We got Facebooks, and uh, like two years ago, she gave my Facebook for it. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Just, she's still as cool as she was back then. Um, 
has a family. We were able to talk about family, get you well, friends. Um, I posted something about going downtown and feeding the homeless, and I posted some things about Bible verses and biblical reading. And she basically said, um, she sent me a message, and I love when people do that. Um, don't ever post on somebody's wall a thought that you're thinking, because you're about to probably get judged and hit really hard. Send somebody a message. And so she sent me a message, and she said, I just want to tell you, I'm an atheist. Um, and it's uh, difficult a lot of times for me to understand this whole biblical thing. But the post that you post and the way that pictures that you do, you're one of the only real deals I've ever seen. That, that, that blew me away. Because that's not what I put it up there for. That glorified the Lord. It didn't glorify me. Because I was able to have this conversation with her about God, not me. Well, see, what I do is I do this, and I go do this, and I didn't know it had nothing to do with that. It was, let me tell you about this relationship that I have with God. And it was awesome. Is she a Christian? No. It didn't move any further. But in that conversation, I was able to glorify the Lord. So I want you to think about these things. Maybe on Facebook this week, a Bible verse a day. You'll be surprised at who likes it and maybe who even comments. And it's that simple, y'all. And I want you to think of it this way. We get to be a part of this cloud of witnesses. We're, we're, it's an honor to do this. It's not just kind of like, ah, I can do this. So I'm going to split you guys into your groups real quick, and I want you guys to discuss this. And Carrie will be out at once, once it's over. Give, give them to your leaders, and your leaders will collect them. If you want to do this, sign it, date it, whatever, email address, and we're going to hold you accountable to it, okay? So high schoolers on this side, middle schoolers on this side.